It's the Green Umbrella Marketing Social Snippet Show. Hello there and welcome to this episode of the Social Snippet Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate you downloading the episode and, and having a listen. This particular episode is actually, it's the audio stripped out of our live lunch. Live lunch is something we do every Thursday at 12 noon. So please, if you're free at that point, if you're sitting at your desk eating your sandwiches or whatever it might be, tune in and join us there live. You can get involved in the conversation. We'd love to see you. We'd love to see you there. Every two weeks, we have a guest on the show. This particular week, it was a lady called Karen Amani. Now, Karen is a marketing consultant and we've worked with her for for years and years and years and years. And we've worked on a few clients together and it's always been such a success. She's so easy to work with. So we thought we'd bring her on, have a bit of a chat about all things marketing. Um, she niches in a particular area that, that we don't niche in. Um, so it's quite nice when we do get clients we can both work on. But we sort of talk, talk about that sector a little bit in the show as well. So hopefully there will be some little snippets, some little tips that you can pick up on takeaway that will help you with your marketing. Um, without further ado, I will um, leave it there. Stop babbling like I do. And let's dive in to the episode. We're going now. I wasn't swearing, was I? No. No. Okay, looks like we are live streaming on Facebook. So hello, Facebook. Good to see everyone today. So um, as usual, we're here for the Thursday episode of Live Lunch, 12 o'clock noon, almost on the dot. Um, you know, it's really hard when you're going live because we use Zoom, there's just this tiny, tiny bit of a delay. And uh, there's always delay anyway when you go live on Facebook, but it just adds to that delay. Um, so you end up in this kind of like, you try and time it so you go bang on at 12 o'clock but something always happens. Either they've changed the interface and it's just not working properly or you're just watching the screen and things are whirring and not actually doing what they're going to do. So there's always a bit of a nervous moment there. But we're here, we're live. Um, and every couple of weeks we've been bringing on a guest with us. And this week we've got Karen from Market Energy who... Hello is absolutely fantastic so karen just give us a quick introduction um obviously we all know what you do but yeah let's tell the world yeah well um i'm a marketing consultant um and i've i've worked in marketing you know all my um my working life um previously for other people and then about 20 years ago i decided that i would set up by myself um specifically looking to offer marketing support to people who um, really that either didn't have the, the kind of budgets or the need for a full-time marketing person. So um, the service that I offer, you can dip into, dip out of as you want to. Um, and then I've also been working with the, the Green Umbrella guys for quite a while. I, um, I'm one of their blog writers and um, have sort of you know, worked with a, a number of the people there for over many different uh, roles and uh, many years so um kind of feel feel like i'm a bit of the furniture now absolutely steady a steady fixture definitely <laughs> yeah i'm not sure I, I really want to be described <laughs> like that but i'll take it <laughs> it was really funny actually just um obviously we kind of like you know get together just you know sort of five ten minutes before we go live and um, I think most of us have really regular communication with you but then it was like Pam came on she was like Karen I'm Pam <laughs> this is the first time you guys have met the first time Emily and you have met so yeah. it's um yeah it, it's weird sometimes you work with people and even you know you're you're local to us so there's like you know there's really no excuse for us not to have seen more of you but no I, really bizarre. I think we just you know we, we all tend to get into kind of remote communications don't we and um you know those kind of face-to-face -face meetings seem to have gone out the well obviously you know recently for a specific reason but even before that i think people tend to kind of you know just dash off an email rather than than think to kind of meet up with someone so yeah it's nice to see everyone's faces absolutely so um yeah we've worked on several 
clients together over the years um, and I know when we were sort of you know talking about who we could invite on and, and that kind of stuff um, you know Pam and Emily were sort of quite keen to talk to you about the blogging piece your approach and um, Pam actually I think I haven't brought it up with Pam but I think oh, she no. was <laughs> Amanda when we were having that conversation because she was like, Karen's the best blog writer ever. <laughs> Amanda's face was just like, oh, really? I went outside green and brown. That's, I didn't finish my sentence. Good save. Good save. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was like, uh, hello. <laughs> I meant for, certainly for, for me anyway. That's okay. <laughs> but I think that Karen is very efficient at what she does. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so on, what questions have we got for Karen then? What are we going to throw at her? Who wants to go for Pam? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I do because I, I know that I've sent some very um, technical and, and I don't know. Well, they seem quite challenging um, types of blogs your way, and yet you just like turn the. I mean, I've sent you many emails going. Oh, God, <laughs> you do this so quickly, you know, and I just, I wondered how you kind of like, how you approach that and how you manage to turn, you know, blogs around, you know, sometimes you turn them around for me in less than 24 hours and I'm kind of like, oh, whoa, how do you do that? Yeah, well, um, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's partly my experience. Um, you know, I've been, I've been writing copy for, well, about 35 years or more. Um, so, uh, you know, it doesn't daunt me to kind of sit with a blank piece of paper uh, and think, right, I've got to write something because I'm used to doing it. Mm. Um, I also um, had a spell as an account director in a marketing agency. And what that taught me was that you have to um, pick up on different industries quite rapidly. So, you know, you might suddenly have a new client that's given to you that's in an industry you've never dealt with before, you've got no knowledge of, so you've got to quickly get to understand, you know, what the issues are in that industry. Um, so sort of that spell in a marketing agency helped me to do that. Um, and it, I think the key thing is not, not to be scared to get started. You know, I know many people will, will look at that blank piece of paper think I don't know what the devil I'm going to say so you know I'll put it off till tomorrow and you know my advice would be just start um, and if it's a tricky one what I tend to do is sort of you know put some key search terms into Google try and find four or five different sources of information okay. and then read through those and see if there's some key themes coming out which you know there always are some commonality between pieces written on a subject and just try and get some subheads down. So if I, you know, if I can start with a heading and four or five subheads, then that's kind of, you, you, you at least feel you've done something, you've made a start on it. Um, you know, and so, sometimes it just flows. Sometimes I, you know, I, I can write a blog very quickly and, and you know, it just comes together. But other times it is trickier and more challenging. Um, and I find that if you write a little bit and then come back to it, that helps. If you can make, just get your intro done, sort of, you know, go away, come back to it a couple of hours later or maybe the next day and then sort of, you know, do another section of it and just tackle those tricky ones in, in two or three chunks rather than try to do it all in one, one fell swoop. And that helps. Yeah, that is, that's, that's good. That's good advice because I do tend to sort of sometimes look at subjects, you know, because you, know, you write about this and I'll be like, um, I'll leave that to tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah exactly what Kevin said as well um, when he was giving some tips on copywriting about walk away. You know, sometimes write it, then walk away. So I think that's kind of a, a theme coming through with, with copywriters and blog writers are saying it's, yeah, you don't have to do the full polished article all in one go. Yeah, I, and one thing I always do um, when I've written it, I never send it off straight away. Even when I think it's finished, I'll just, you know, put it in my drafts and maybe even a half an hour later, come back to it and read it again just to see, you know, uh, kind of whether there's any tweaks or anything mm. doesn't quite fall right. I think that's quite a good tip as well, to be honest, because something that I do is I tend to write it and then I have in the past sort of read it all through, sent it off. 
come back to it again to read it the next day just out of interest because I've basically forgotten what I've written <laughs> and then there's certain elements in there that I think actually now that I'm looking at it again with fresh eyes I might have worded that slightly differently or I might have changed that so I think actually to write it exactly as you said and then leave it even for half an hour or something and then go back to it you quite often or I've learned that I've quite often picked up on things that I would would change slightly um they're not always like major changes or anything but there's definitely changes within that that I that I wouldn't have picked up on the first time around I don't think yeah it, it might be something as simple as just changing one word you know yeah. you just think of a better way to put something better way to express something yeah. so um yeah I find it works for me definitely I also think as well what you said about breaking the blog down that's something that I find really helps me when writing blogs so when I sort of first started, I guess it would, have, it would be that fear, I guess, of looking at the blank piece of paper with a, a subject that I might not fully know about, thinking how on earth am I gonna fill this piece of paper with tons of information about this subject I don't know that much about. But I think to, to break it down for me, as you said, to come up with the subheadings, maybe write the intro, to then have that feeling that I've actually got started with it, I know the areas I'm gonna focus on and which subjects I need to research really helps break it down for me and makes it not so daunting that I'm sort of putting it off and keep putting it off and putting it off until yeah. I have to do it in, in an hour, basically. <laughs> yes, that's right. You, know, you leave it till the, uh, the, the 11th hour and then it is a yeah. rush, isn't it? Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think it is that feeling that you've made some progress on it, you know, even if it is a, a tricky one to tackle um, and so. that makes it easier to get back to it and, and carry on with it. Definitely. Um, one question that I had actually was about coming up with titles for blogs. So we have a lot of clients that sometimes, even if they're not clients that we write blogs for, they sometimes ask us for ideas for titles. And I'd say that's probably an area that I struggle with. I always try to sort of research other blogs around a similar subject and maybe see if that gives me some ideas. But do you have any tactics for coming up with titles for blogs? Yeah, well, what I do is, um, you know, I take the general theme of the blog and I quite often Google famous sayings um, okay. around that. Um, okay. and, you know, sometimes that doesn't generate anything, but occasionally um, it'll come up with something. I mean, quite a good one the other week. Um, I think it was about um, how companies are kind of evolving under the current circumstances to, you know, remote working and hybrid working and, you know, all, all the kind of different ways that work workplaces are having to change yeah. um, and I came across a Darwin phrase which was uh, you know I'm paraphrasing but basically it's it's not the cleverest or the brightest species that survive it's the most adaptable mm -hmm. and I just thought god that's spot on you know for for this blog um, and uh, I, I kind of you know incorporated that into the title of it because um, I think, you know, obviously the title is quite important because that's what yeah. encourages people to, to read on. Um, and so, you know, try, try to find something that, that at least just sparks someone's interest to think, oh, you know, what, what's that about? So, yeah. um, so I've just written one. Um, I've sent back to you this, this, um, this morning, Christina, where I just kind of could have put the title, you know, that was in the email, but I just try to spin it around a bit and, and kind of, you know, make it a bit interesting so that some um, people will read it and think, oh, you know, what, what is that? Ah, see, that's something I never would have thought of. I'd never have thought of to Google phrases or sayings or anything like that. I think, like I said, the way that I really do it is I try to think of maybe something with alliteration or something that sounds quite yeah. nice or a Google that Google the subject and see the, the subject, the titles that other people have used and maybe try and play on that a little bit. But then I always find that really difficult because I see something that I think sounds really good and then I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> you don't want to pinch someone else's Yeah, time. exactly. But, yeah, that's really good. Thank yeah, you. but the quotation <laughs> thing, it, it, you know, say, I'd say 50% of the time it throws up something that, that, yeah. that's usable. Um, and again, sometimes I find that, you know, I might just put quite a boring title to begin with. And then when you go back to it, you know, inspiration might strike while you're doing something else. And, you know, then you can go back to it and change it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Definitely. So alliteration. So I love a bit of alliteration. Well, OK, so first of all, well done, Emily. That was a very big word. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I do know some things, okay? <laughs> Uh, that, that one wasn't even uh, rehearsed well done <laughs> gold star for me <laughs> um, but yeah alliteration is a really funny thing because I, I do love it but then I look at titles sometimes and I think right, I need to come up with at least one idea where I haven't used alliteration you know, sometimes it is just like over overdone so yeah what what do you reckon? How do we feel about alliteration? Do you think it gets over-egged or? Yeah, I think it can do. I think it can sound a bit forced, you know, if, if you overdo it, but sometimes it does just fall right and, and, and sounds right. I think, you know, I think you just have to judge each one on it on its merits and say, you know, is that working or does it sound a bit, you know? Like I'm trying always, too hard. <laughs> yeah, I always find if I'm yeah, if I'm searching for it too much, like mm. if I think, well, I really need to think of a word that fits this that begins with S, and I'm literally sat there for about twenty minutes trying to make something work. And <laughs> no, it's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's got to fall naturally. I think, as you say, if you try to just jam stuff in, that is, yeah, it just doesn't work. Mm. I was thinking about like a forced title as well that you kind of just go, you know, that's that's not right. Yeah. It's like if you're writing, um, they call them listicles, don't they? But basically, an article that's kind of a list and it's X number of reasons for. A lot of the time, I'll, when we're writing, I'll, I'll write the list and then just do the title afterwards because sometimes I don't know how many points I'm going to raise. Yeah. So, and I know, Christina, you've got a thing about is it even numbers or odd numbers so you whichever one it is you'll either say like nine reasons or you do eight reasons and then one for extra one for luck yeah so yeah it's um the title yeah the title's always odd numbers it's like three fives and sevens always seem to yeah for, for some reason mm. psychologically odd numbers are more interesting to people than even numbers um it applies to all sorts of things you know if you're, you're grouping things on a shelf if you put a group of three or five it looks more sort of, yeah. you know, aesthetically pleasing than two or four. And yeah, same same with lists of things. I've seen that with, with visual merchandising when I used to work in the shop. It's obviously even odd numbers of things that you put in a window display as well. Oh, that's interesting. Ooh. Yeah, some psychology behind it then. Yeah, but I, I think, I think um, you're right. Sometimes actually the title might be the last thing that you write. Mm. So you've written the rest of the blog and kind of, once you've done that, the title becomes a bit more apparent to you. Um, it kind of, you know, something that sum, sums up the key point that you're trying to get across. Just, you know, sort of inspiration strikes at the end. I think that's something, another thing that I need to learn really, because whilst I have got better at breaking down the blog, as I was saying before, I think I always try to come up with the title and I think I can't write a blog if I don't have a title. Yeah. Actually, it's not really the case I think as well because I know that's the part that I struggle with the most I always want to get it done so then I think well I have my title I have my subheadings now I can write it but I need to maybe get the the main title element out of my head and think I can like you said when you write the blog sometimes you do come up with ideas and I've actually gone back before and changed the title after I've written it so to spend so much time in the first place might might not be sort of needed as much I guess I'm really, really good at writing blogs without titles, and then sending them to Jane or sending them to Amanda. Just to say it, sort it out. You send sort them to out. me quite a lot, going, "Can you just proofread this? Oh, and come up with a title." <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Know. There was one blog actually, Christina. I think I can't. It was a very similar situation, and you asked sort of everyone to come up with five ideas. And I was like, I can't come up with five. I can't even come up with one. <laughs> I was like, I could probably write it if you give me a bit of time, but I can't come up with the title. <laughs> I think when you put on the spotlight that, it's quite tricky. It's quite hard to you know, kind of be creative on demand, isn't it? <laughs> I think yeah, so. It's really weird. But trying to do it for a client is, is 20 times easier for some reason. It's just actually having to do it for yourself, for your own brand. It's like, you, I don't know, it's like all these blocks come down and you know it's yeah very the, the, the trickier thing and Karen you've probably got some um you've probably got some thoughts on this is is like you say writing for a client is is sometimes easier and you can get the facts and the information it's getting the tone of voice and the language they use 
and that can take a little while. So you must sometimes only three or four articles, but certainly the first couple, I often find I, I use phrases that are a bit more personal to me and they've and client, you know, I've had an example this morning where I've just put in a, an email, jump straight to book here and someone's gone, oh no, take that out. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, which is fine. It's fair enough. It's the first, first one I've written for them, but that's language I would use and not yeah. them. So, so how do you get around that? Yeah. Well, you know, I think my natural style is quite informal and chatty. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, for not just for blogs, but for all content that actually works quite well because, you know, one of the things I was taught is to write as you speak. So, um, which is why it's always a good idea to read out loud anything that you've written and, and just see if it flows naturally. Um, but I mean, what I, <coughs> I normally do with a new client is, is just kind of write, yeah, obviously I'll, I'll look at what else they've done, look at their website and, and you know, any other material that, that's available to get a bit of a feel for their tone. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of just write the first one really in my natural style, maybe just tweaking it a little bit and then just wait for feedback. And if they, you know, sort of say, well, we want to be a bit more formal and, you know, certain kinds of companies, sometimes if you're writing for, you know, a law firm, for example, they might want to be a bit more formal than, you know, an activity centre would be, which would be very, you know, generally very, you know, informal and friendly. Mm. Um, but I think it, yeah, I think companies are moving more towards that kind of personal approach where that you know they want to they want to perceive uh, they want to be perceived as approachable um, uh, you know and as people rather than a faceless organisation. So I find that informal uh, approach is generally you know sort of what people want. But you know you just have to kind of tweak it a little bit. Um, I mean, what one tip I was given. Um, you know, which, which people sometimes raise an eyebrow, but you know, use Anglo-Saxon words rather than Latin words. So, um, you know, and, and so if you think like, you know, utilize is a Latin based word, you know, and it's quite, it's, it's my personal hated word actually, because <laughs> it just isn't needed, use, you know, don't say utilize, say use, because it's just much easier to understand, much easier to read. Um, but, you know, if you just try and think of the, the sort of generally the shorter, more to the point words tend to be the Anglo-Saxon version of, of the words. And they just, it, it's not even that people don't understand the longer words, it's just makes it more accessible and more readable if mm. you, you use words that people can just instantly pick up on. That makes think, perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that I've probably learned as well more recently because obviously through my um, degree and studies, I was always sort of, I guess going for the longer words because they, they make me sound more intellectual. <laughs> like, <actually. Yeah. laughs> like sort of writing, I think, as you said, my style is much more informal, I found now. Um, and writing, sort of choosing those sh shorter words doesn't necessarily make it worse. It actually, in a way, makes it better. It's much more readable. And mm. for me, especially, it's much more approachable. Like I don't, I, my pet peeve is when people throw in words that are just unnecessary and yeah. long for no reason just to, to try and make them sound clever basically it just really bugs mm. me so yeah I think that's a good point definitely and it I makes it to write thanks Magda <laughs> I don't I agree think, I, I think people add in extra words to get their word count up sometimes as well um, yeah. That, yeah. yeah that's something else I always do when I review it I just think you know can, are, are there any unnecessary words here that we can cut out um, and you find, you know, people who, who um, aren't so used to writing copy will, will put things in quite a, a not a complicated, but a long-winded way, where actually you've got a sentence and you can cut out half those words and still get the sense across, you, you know, in a much more straightforward fashion. Yeah, definitely. I do you think say. people get hung up on the word counts? They're like, you know, it, it's, um, we talk to a lot of people that are just starting out when it comes to creating regular content so whether it's whether it's going to be a video or whether it is going to be a, a written blog or or whatever you know a, a, a solid article but they get really really caught up on how many words it needs to be and i think in that in those early stages it's like that has to be irrelevant you just you need to write something once you're yeah. in a bit of writing something then you can start looking at word counts and improving structure and that sort of stuff but I think a lot of people, they just, they like really agonise it. And it's like, you know, 800, 500 words, 800 words. And they're kind of, 
they're so caught up worrying about that that mm. it it just paralyzes them it's a common question isn't it that you go well how many words does it does the blog need to be mm. yeah it's it does become a bit of sort of a you know you're like well just just start writing it first of all like you say and yeah if you can come up with <laughs> i mean i know there are issues with word counts so you know um impacts on seo issues for, for example um but uh, you know again something i was taught is that you know like the length of what you're writing is less important is <laughs> the relevance and the interest mm -hmm. so you know if you can get your point across in an interesting way 600 words don't cut it out to a thousand words just for the sake of it because it's not adding anything now as i say i know that sometimes you do need a certain word length to you, you know I mean, I, I read the other day that LinkedIn articles are meant to be, or, or are most read if they're sort of 800 plus words, um, which is something I hadn't come across before. I instantly went back to all the LinkedIn articles. <laughs> I, I read and did a word count, found out that none of them were meeting the criteria. Um, <laughs> but thing, these some algorithms change all the time, don't they? Yeah. Trying to keep up oh, with yeah. them is, is a, a challenge in itself. No, absolutely. I mean, LinkedIn as well. It, there's there's so many changes and so regularly, and there's so many changes that, that we don't even know about. They never get broadcasted anyway. They're just testing something, and they're, they're just testing it with a group of people on this group of servers. You know, so you just you, you don't know. Yeah. Um, but the last few weeks, anyway, everything on LinkedIn just seems to have had a nosedive from a algorithmic perspective, from a from a reach perspective. Um, and it's funny because a few weeks ago they did um, they did release an article. I think it was like from the engineering blog, and they'd been testing this thing and, and they've released this change relating to dwell time. So actually, you know. Right now, I don't care how long that blog is, because right now, when they see that post in the feed, whether they pause to look at that or not is going to affect the algorithm before they've even opened and clicked through to look to look at it anyway. So it is we, we just kind of put all this stuff on the wordage when actually it's like, you know, is the title right? You know, that the article is going to be the length that it is because that's how many words it takes to tell that story or communicate that point. Um, you know, if it's 352 words, that's what it is. If you turn that into 600 words, it becomes a really dull article, mm. you know. So, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's so, so tricky. Um, but I, I think that it's almost like we're worried about the finished result when we need to worry more about getting there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely do see blogs where people have... have um, specifically tried to increase the word count because it's, it's basically one idea that they've just kind of expressed in three different ways um, and that's not adding value to anyone it, it you know it just becomes boring to read if um, you, you're sort of playing through an article and it's just the same ideas again and again mm, absolutely so let's move conversation on <laughs> a little bit so Karen you work with um, a lot of sort of businesses in the AV world, don't you? The audio I do, the audiovisual world, yeah. So what kind of changes are you seeing there or um, trends are you seeing in terms of like how those, like what's happening from a marketing perspective there? Because obviously there's loads of events for, for people in that sector, aren't there? So yeah, I mean, uh, it's, um, you know, the, the Audiovisual AV market um, has changed radically over the last 20 years. Um, you know, when I first started working in it, it was about putting projectors on a ceiling and a screen on a wall in a, you know, meeting room. You know, today it's about digital transformation, collaboration, remote working, you know, all these kind of themes that are coming through. Um, and it's, it's, kind of blended with the IT industry. You know, at one point they were very different industries, but now as, um, you know, a lot of AV equipment, it is all now networked and, and, you know, programmable and whatever. The two kind of areas have, you know, the lines have blurred considerably. Um, so it's a much sort of bigger and more wide ranging industry than it used to be. Um, and I mean, sectors of it have been dramatically impacted by the pandemic. So the events industry, for example, died overnight. So, you know, companies who were, were running events for, for organisations 
um, just, you know, might have had 20 projects on the go that were just all cancelled, you know, literally overnight. And, you know, sadly, there's, there's a lot of them that think they're not going to survive. Um, because live events are probably one of the last things that are going to come back. You know, I don't think anyone's going to be holding any sales conferences or awards dinners <laughs> in the near future. Um, however, you know, what a lot of them have tried to do is take those events online, um, some of them very successfully. Um, so, um, you know, you, you do see people that, in fact, there is an awards um, event that I know of that's going to be held online. Um, and then there are other sectors of the industry that, that have done tremendously well. So one of my clients, for example, um, distributes solutions for space management. So they've got solutions that allow people to book a desk. Um, the company can um, mark that desk up to say whether it's available or not, um, to say whether it needs cleaning, um, it can control the visitors coming into the, the building. They've got another solution that's all about remote collaboration, so people can work on whiteboards and collaborate with people, you know, all over the world. <clears throat> Everyone can contribute to these, um, to the, the kind of, you know, main canvas through their own device, so there's no sharing of touch screens or anything. Um, and then they've got another, another solution that's all about um, sort of really clear audio on remote calls. So they have all these solutions anyway, and it's, they're just really lucky that they all fit perfectly with the current situation. So they've been incredibly busy, and you know they're in the same market as the events people, really, just a different area of it. But they've been very busy. Um, and then I've got other clients who've, who've kind of tried to evolve a bit. So um, you know, obviously, companies do not want teams of guys going in, fitting out their boardroom at the moment, um, but. We're looking at new solutions like hand sanitizers um, with built-in digital signage screens. Um, so, you know, Mark was doing some work for me at the moment for, for one client who's, who's developed a whole range of these solutions. Um, so you can, you know, obviously everybody's going to need hand sanitizing stations as they reopen. And, and these have sort of, you know, built-in messaging system, um, sort of non-contact thermometers, um, partitioning, that kind of thing. So, you know, they're, they're a pretty, um, pretty, uh, what's the word I'm after, you know, sort of nimble in terms of the way they, they can adapt, um, I think, probably more so than, than some other industries, uh, because it's always been a very fast moving sector. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, winners and losers in the current situation. Um, and, you know, in terms of where the, the industry is going, that sort of digital transformation is the big theme where, you know, anything that can be digitised will be. That'll, that'll demand sort of lots of new skills as well. You know, it starts to introduce things like artificial intelligence and things like that, virtual reality. So all these kind of, you know, bits around the outside that are starting to become more mainstream now as well. Excellent. So obviously you mentioned Mark's doing some um, work with you for, for one of those clients, but um, I know that you two have worked together over the years, loads of websites, that kind of stuff, and um, brochures and, and things like that as well. Um, are there... Sort of, is there anything kind of innovative that you're seeing out there at the minute? Any sort of examples of things that sort of stand out? That um, you think well, uh, one thing I saw uh, uh, sort of just before lockdown, which I thought was really cool, was um, basically it's a printed brochure, um, and you open it up, and there's like a little screen in it that plays a video. So you can actually send a video out, but like in a physical brochure. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I was trying, trying to convince one of my clients to go with it, but like at the moment, the price, well, well they weren't too bad. I think they, they worked out about 15 pounds each, which if you do this, you know, you know, you could do a small run, but obviously you wouldn't do thousands and thousands of them. <laughs> but you know, if that takes off, I guess the price will come down. But I, I just thought that was neat. I liked mm -hmm. that. No, that is cool. I've been thinking um, about, I probably shouldn't say this on a live stream, but oh well. Um, 
sort of looking at like our, you know, our clients and, um, you know, what, what we could do at the minute that would be a little bit different that, you know, we, we've got to that point where everyone's starting to come back into their business now. And, um, we've not had a lot of contact, the social snippet, which normally goes in the post every month. Um, you know, that that's going for the first time since lockdown this month. So, um, you know, I'm sort of thinking, what can we do? Almost like a welcome back to the office kind of something, you know, that kind of traditional, I hate to use the phrase, but lumpy male, you know, yeah. it's like, it's funny, these, these older tactics that we've kind of left behind because we've all gone so like fully immersed into the digital world still really, really work. So um, yeah, I really like the idea of that brochure for that reason. Yeah, I mean, when I mentioned that I worked in a marketing agency and they were actually uh, part of an incentive travel company. So the, the company started off doing incentive travel. For, so they would take, um, you know, Peugeot's dealers off to Marbella or whatever. Um, and the, the marketing side of it kind of grew from that because, you know, around a trip like that, you obviously want communications and, and whatever. But it was really, really fun sometimes because you'd put together you know, sort of teaser packs for people. So everyone who qualified to go on the trip, you know, you might send them, you know, a cocktail stick and a little miniature rum or, you know, so it's sort of silly little things to kind of give them a teaser about where they were going. And they, those kind of things used to go down brilliantly. Um, I mean, they're, they're a, a pain to organise because you've got to collate, physically, someone's got to collate all these things together and pack them up, although, you know, you, you can obviously outsource that. Um, but yeah, uh, people love to get a little package of something in the post and they think, oh, you know, what's this? And, you know, we've all had them probably and, and it's, uh, you know, it's a nice little touch and it certainly makes you remember the company that sent it to you. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit of, um, it's a bit of excitement, isn't it? And especially for... I mean, I imagine a lot of business owners, have, you know, if you've got an office or whatever, you've probably been going in and checking the post intermittently and, and that kind of stuff. But it's it's amazing how much crap we get. Yeah. You know, so actually, if it is something in there that is just going to be, a, you know, something a little bit fun. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about and looking at and, and that sort of stuff. We're not um, going to revisit the plane idea. Okay. So, Karen, I want... <laughs> Do you remember? Okay. Do you remember, um, like, as a kid, having those, like, it was like a foam card and you'd push out the bits and they all slotted together to produce an aeroplane? Yeah. yeah. Are they airfix? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. But I no, want to be a simple as an airfix. Yeah. They literally just slotted it together, didn't they? Right. Mark won't let me have Okay, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Technically, it's up to you, Christina, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's I, a brilliant idea. I just query the cost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want these phone. These phone. You should just get them. Yeah. I tell you what, if you did it, I bet ninety percent of the people who got it would put them together and start flinging them across the office. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to to be right. So the full story is we go to um, a conference every year and it's for a, it's for team, which is a membership organization for the, um, um, for the independent um, recruitment sector. <laughs> and um, yeah, I want to have these aeroplanes for that event. Cause I just, when it comes to the gala dinner, yeah. I think it'd be brilliant. And <laughs> yeah. the is I, I think it would be You'd have to give them out after the awards bit though. Like, they won't invite destroy you their yearly awards. Bring them by a plane. I, I, I just think it'd be so much fun. Well, poor poor um, Georgia Giraffe has often been violated at some of these dinners, so maybe the yeah. aeroplanes would be a good uh, good distraction. George <laughs> stolen and we were we were sent photos um of him being stuffed in the boot of someone's, someone's car, car and then in their <laughs> office and so it, yeah it, it, you it, get a ransom note. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much well it, it, was, it yeah. was a bit of a um was it like he was with the newspaper or something, wasn't he? But, but yeah, really funny. Really. Wasn't funny. it last year he got stolen in the toilets? 
little girls' toilets. Some, some. Oh no, they, they did ask. They did, yeah. They oh, did, did they? Oh, okay. That wasn't a steal. I thought that was a steal. <laughs> I thought that was uh, quite a good one. <laughs> that that was the, we made the rookie mistake though, weren't it? The first year we took him, we did take him to the dinner as well, and that's that's when he oh, left no. us. Oh <laughs> no! That was he never going to end well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Do you know what? Like. I don't know why I was so shocked that evening when I was walking around with, you know, in like a long black dress um, and a five foot inflatable giraffe under my arm. I, you know, I, I got some really odd looks and you know, I was like, casual. Yeah, I was just like, all right, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got it lift. <laughs> I think it is when lift doors open and there's a five foot inflatable giraffe, that's when you get the attention. <laughs> It blends in. What are you talking about? <laughs> we had a giant banana at one point. We used to leave that in various places, didn't we? In the, in the building here, just for yeah, just just for the giggles. <laughs> used, used to live in the disabled toilet on the top floor. <laughs> that sounds a bit gruesome, I'm honest. But <laughs> um, Paul has commented saying that. Uh, a company called Braunston Limited used to do stuff like that and they'd take all those giveaways like the planes and the inflatable giraffes um, to meetings but then everyone would start you know it's kind of like these fidget spinners I suppose everyone would start fiddling with the thing and not listening to the presentation so you know, pros and cons yeah give them out after the presentation yeah. I suppose is the, the lesson there we yeah. can put them in all the presentation rooms of our competitors cool okay so Karen, i've got one more question for you just mm -hmm. like, we're kind of going like around back to the beginning now so um i was talking to someone this week who is not a copywriter um and they're producing their own copy for a newsletter so it is a different approach um, I always think like my approach to newsletters is very much the same as my approach to blogs. So like what you've talked about already with your sub subheadings and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think for, for this particular person, it's kind of, I know what I need to write about, but the, in, the individual is quite technically minded. So all the technical stuff comes out. So for people that are in that scenario and they need to kind of break it down and make that information more accessible, um, it's not just about the wording and the word choice. I think there's something else there in terms of how you kind of split out the information and know when you're trying to cram in too much. Um, and I'm just thinking with like the AV people you work with, you know, they'd probably get really excited about their cabling and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few, you know, obviously, you know, in technical industries, a lot of the manufacturers are, um, are Far Eastern. Um, and, you know, some of them are brilliant in terms of the material they produce. Some of them, you just kind of look at it and think, oh, what can I do with these? You know, it's just you know one company in particular. They're so proud of of, of what they produce, but you know it's written by a Japanese person with a, a basic grasp of English, and it's just so technical. And uh, you know, it's unusable from a marketing point of view. So I have to rewrite it all, um, and it's a, it's a tricky one. I mean. You know, I, I suppose my advice would be just to keep your audience in mind, because although it might be a technical product, your audience isn't necessarily a technical guy. I mean, if, if, if it is a technical person, then that's fine. You, you know, you, you can focus on the bandwidth and the dongles and, you know, whatever they might need to know. But generally, if you're talking to a user, you know, it's like if you buy a new car, you don't necessarily need to know how an engine works. You just want to know, you know and fast it goes and what the petrol consumption is and whatever. So, you know, it's the, the you know, the, the basics always apply, focus on the benefits. Um, so instead of saying it's got a, you know, X, Y, Z, ABC, this, that, and the other, so, you know, this, this is what it's going to do for you. This is the problem it's going to solve. This is the benefit it's going to give you. This is the pain it's going to remove for you. Um, you know, and I think that rule applies whether you're writing for web, for physical brochures, for blogs, you know, um, even as far as social media goes, although 
a bit more of a challenge when you've only got sort of limited amount of, um, of letters to do it in but and just you know try, try and focus on what it does for you rather than the, the technical aspect of what it does. Well, that's really good advice really great advice um mark you have you have like let a couple of words slip but have you, have you got any questions um for karen at all well i, I suppose obviously it's thinking about like you said about the like, diversification of, of some of the av clients is it is it led to you having to work slightly differently because they're going into different markets or have they got the same markets but having to approach it differently Yes, yeah, so a bit of both, really, Mark. You know, so so, um, so one of one of my big clients is a distributor of equipment. So that you know means they're they're supplying resellers who would then supply end users. So now, if you wanted to buy one of their solutions, you would go to one of my clients' customers, if that makes yeah. sense. So um, so what they're trying to do. So obviously, they've got this base of resellers already. Um, and they're trying to find new solutions that will give those resellers a reason to go and talk to their customers. So, you know, at the moment, there's no point saying, here's a great solution to kit out a boardroom because the resellers say, well, none of my customers want their boardrooms kitting out at the moment. What we're trying to do is say, you know, here's a, a, a solution for safe working, which you probably are being asked about um, and, you know, may not know where to go to, to source such solutions. So we, you know, we put together the, these for you. So it's talking to the same customers generally, but just trying to find, you know, di diversify the, the solutions that are made available to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I imagine even some of the normal display things can work in those sort of new scenarios anyway. So I suppose it's just getting that idea out to people that wouldn't normally be purchasing that kind of thing really. Yeah, and you know, in terms of displays, I mean, there's been a, a you know movement over the last sort of five years really to move away from projectors and screens to you know what we call displays, but you know flat screens in meeting rooms. Um, I mean, projectors are still the best solution if you want a really clear big image, but just for something on a wall for for a medium-sized meeting room, displays work you know perfectly well. Um, but also, of course, you know there were tens of thousands of displays that went into the NHS during the pandemic into all those new hospitals. They all had, you know, big high brightness, high definition displays put in. So some of the, you know, some resellers did really well out of that. Um, and it's just kind of making sure that people, you know, maybe products that they've currently been selling in one way, there's actually another way because there's a big call for digital signage at the moment because yeah. there's, you know, we need to, communicate information that's changing on an almost daily basis. Um, so whereas they might have been showing corporate presentations on displays before, you know, now it might be health information or, you know, the, the latest government advice or whatever. Yeah. So we have with the, the, the one client I mentioned that has kind of just coincidentally got all these fabulous solutions that, that meet the current um, uh, 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 sort of um, environment we find ourselves in quite well. We did actually go through all the government advice on safe return to work and then align the solutions that they offer with each piece of advice and i've done a whole series of articles for them that sort of take each piece of advice you know so whether it's social distancing whether it's controlling people at your entrance uh, whether it's minimizing hot desking and you know sort of aligned each of their solutions up with that so it, it's kind of you know, makes it very clear how people Perfect. can meet the, the government guidelines using their uh, tools. Cool. Some of, the, some of those products do look really good as well. Yeah. And some photos now. So I think they're, you know, obviously irrelevant of the marketing side. They're a really useful way for some of the, the you know, the, the information to get out there while being practical as well. Yeah, and what, one thing I have noticed is that manufacturers are, are collaborating. So, um, you know, one of the solutions in the brochure you're doing for me, Mark, it's, um, it's a people counting um, solution. So yeah. the, um, the displays are from Philips, who are, you know, massive display um, manufacturer. Um, the actual software that drives the, the, the whole system is from a company called Now Signage. And then the cameras that, you know, sort of a identifying people going in and out from a company called Hike Vision. Um, so they're three completely separate companies um, and because each one could 
do an element of the solution. They've come together and packaged it up as, as a kind of total solution. And that's something that I've not seen that much in the past. It does happen occasionally, but I, I think that's, you know, happening more and more now. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, so Amanda, have you got anything just before we finish off? No, there's loads of, of useful tips in there. And it's quite interesting to hear, you know, a specific industry perspective. Because you're right, it's, it's so hard for events. We've the amount of online events we've sort of suddenly been involved in, or people are talking about, is huge. So, as you say, I can imagine it's really tough in that sector. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, yeah. It, it was just really interesting to hear those points. Yeah, I think as well. You know, the the, the stuff you've shared in regards to the the sort of the right, the copywriting mm. as well is is really really valuable. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of crossover with the advice we give anyway. But you know, it's it's so important that you yes, there's tons of information out there, but you kind of need to hear the same stuff from different sources. Yeah, you really kind of go right. That's that's the way to go. So yeah. I'm always really keen to get people onto this that have you know have some crossover with what we do because actually you know sometimes we do have differences of opinions sometimes the, the opinion is is sort of a, sh a shared view um, and, and I think that's really good to discuss um, cool so um, let's wrap up this episode of the live lunch um, thanks Karen for oh, you know, really appreciate it um, what we'll do is we'll make sure we put a link to your um, LinkedIn profile um, or, or whatever contact details you want, we'll make sure we have those in the comments so that people can reach out and connect with you. Um, and yeah, it's been fantastic. We'll be here again next week, Thursday at 12 noon for live lunch. I think it's just us next week, no guests. Jane will be back off holiday. So, um, do you know what? Right, Jane was on, Jane was on holiday and I think it was... Monday, I think she went as far as Monday evening before she emailed me on a on a work thing. I was just like, I went to respond as well, and I was like, no, I'm just not going to answer it. If I respond, she'll respond again. But um, but yeah, Jane, we miss you. If you miss. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next Thursday. Thanks again, Karen. Um, and yeah, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I think that was a good screenshot. <laughs>